God, we love you, and we're so thankful for you. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Kids, you are dismissed to go to your classes. At least they're looking forward to it, right? <laughs> so uh, Vern and I uh, got away last weekend uh, with our extended family, our kids and their spouses and our grandkids for four or five days in Gatlinburg. And how would I describe it? Um, if I said it was a bonding experience, <laughs> um, you know, as, as you know, you kind of come together and you've got all of these hopes and dreams just for what this four or five days is going to be like, and you get the best and the worst. And uh, yesterday, uh, Verna was said, I've got, I've got the language for it. And, and she said it was, it was chaotic, it was beautiful, and it was heartbreaking. <laughs> so we came home on Tuesday evening, and it's taken us three days to recover. Um, but I, that's family, isn't it? You know, just the, the reality of, of lives and uh, coming together as people uh, with, our, with our sin, our brokenness, and trying to figure out how do we keep loving well in the midst of all of that. And it's just the best and the most beautiful of, of who we seek to be, you know, as followers of Christ. Well, we've been lingering with one question since January. Uh, you'd think we'd have the answer by now, but one question has guided our entire conversation um, in, this, in the, the tail end of our study of 2 Corinthians 6 through 9, and this is the question. What is it that causes our lives to be trustworthy? And it's one of those questions that I think are worthy of six months of attention. Because I think we, we, we we're living in a time when that's up for grabs. And, you know, in, in my, my, the course of my life, I'm not sure I've ever lived at a time when the lack of trust in everything is up for grabs. Our government, the corporations, the church, um, you know, what causes our lives to be trustworthy in an environment where there's so little trust? I'm not sure there's a more relevant question for us today. And we've, we've talked about a couple of things over these months. And we've, we've talked about the fact that one of the things that causes our lives to be trustworthy is when we live well in the present. You know, we're no longer living on past glories and past memories of a different era or a better era. Uh, nor are we just only about the future and holding on and hoping for a day when the mess is over and as important as that is. No, we're, we're people in this present moment who are so deeply rooted in God that we live well now. And people notice that. 
They see that. There's something unique about men and women who are able to engage just the, the chaos. I, I just, it just struck me. We, we could talk about our, our culture in the same way I just described my family. Chaotic, beautiful, and heartbreaking. That's the world we live in. And yet, we can live well in that. The second thing we talked about was distinctive integrity in our everyday lives. When people bump into you and me, do they experience something different because of Jesus? Distinctive in our language and our choices and how we manage our lives and, and our resources and, and our character and how we conduct ourselves in the workplace and at school. And is there something about it, a distinctive Jesus-like integrity that's trustworthy? We talked about relationships that are defined by courageous honesty and humility. And if you remember, I, I suggested this may be one of the hardest for us. Uh, do we have the courage to hold each other accountable to the ways of Jesus? And do we have the humility to, to receive folks saying, you know, Gary, you're, you're not doing so well. This needs to change in your life, Gary. And then the last big idea, and we've been spending a lot of time here because it is so huge, extravagant generosity. And Paul left us with what a generous way of life looks like. We've been spending time in 8 and 9, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and, and Paul ended this section with a reminder of what a generous way of life looks like. I'm going to pick it up at verse 6. I've selected two or three verses, not the whole thing. Paul writes in verse six, so remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Paul says there's a cause and effect relationship between the generosity that we are investing in sowing and, and the fruit that we're seeing. Live from a scarcity way of life and you'll experience scarcity as your fruit. Live with a generous way of life, you'll experience the generosity of that. Verse eight, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You never have to worry about not having enough to be generous. God will take care of that. In verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Don't, don't read past those words too fast. God says, you know, essentially what God is saying, if, if, if I, I, I see that your heart is generous because you trust me to provide, I can trust you with more. I'm gonna give you more. I'm gonna give you greater capacity. I trust you with that. It's, it's an interesting verse. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Well, these final two weeks, this week and next week, uh, before we move into the John study, I wanna reflect on what does generosity look like here at Grace Church? Um, and, and kind of, where my thoughts are going, uh, 
is, is that extravagant generosity is core to our spiritual formation as a family. It's not secondary. It's not this optional thing that's kind of nice out there when you're able to. It lies right at the center of, of our spiritual formation as a family. A generosity is, is how we evidence our gratitude and obedience in following Jesus. Now, I want to thank uh, John Cernia. John's not with us this week. Most of our OM leaders are at an international conference away from us. And I want to thank John for his being with us. And last week, Gabe Hoffman for their contribution uh, to our series. Uh, both men are reflections of God's generosity to Grace Church. Um, well, last week, Gabe teased just a bit about having an ask of the Grace family. Remember, he was talking about the fact that was Gary asking him to come in as the hired hit guy to uh, kind of sneak up on the congregation to, to launch a, a building campaign or to ask you to give more to Grace Church. And uh, he actually texted me during the week and said, Gary, you're going to do that. And we were kind of poking around each other during the week. Well, well, Gabe was correct on one level. There is no fundraising ask on the end of this series. Um, that wasn't the intent. Um, but there is an ask. And here's the ask, that we embrace a lifestyle of extravagant generosity. That's the ask. You know, that we as a family, as individuals and as a family collectively, that we commit ourselves to a lifelong discipleship that holds generosity as a valued part of our way of life. Or, or I could say it like this, that we break free from the, small, the smallness of scarcity living and live into the largeness of generous living. See, that's the ask. Um, and, and, I, and I ask it with, with a great deal of confidence because generosity, not scarcity, reflects who we are. You see, we were created in the image of a generous God who Matthew tells us is the source of every good and perfect gift. We're people redeemed by a generous God who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. And we follow a generous Jesus who, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor so that we might, so that through his poverty, we might become rich. It's, it's everywhere we look. Um, I would say it like this. Generosity is hardwired into our very identity and calling. You can't separate it from who we are and who we're called to be. Now, to be clear, that's not to suggest that generosity always comes naturally or easy to us, does it? Um, maybe that's why the scriptures talk so much about our posture uh, towards money and material things, a lot to say about uh, what rules and controls our lives, and it tells us a lot about what we value and, and where we find our security. And living well with extravagant generosity isn't achieved by Gary teaching more on generosity, nor is it achieved by increasing our church budget uh, nor by getting us fired up with a special giving challenge. Um, all of these things are useful in their place and ways. Um, and, but here's what I know and here's what you know. 
We sniff out gimmicks in a moment, don't we? We feel it. And we should. See, none of that lies behind uh, what truly motivates. You see, what motivates generosity, and this may, may be new language for you, what motivates generosity is our imagination. Imagination for the people we're called to be as followers of Jesus. Uh, that's why over the past couple of weeks, we incorporated some video stories of what generosity has looked like in other people and other places. And, and, and some of the remarkable fruit of, of that type of generosity. Um, it was to awaken our imagination. And it kind of bust us out of the smallness of our scarcity and allow us to dream and imagine what it might look like to follow Jesus with more abandon. Uh, Eugene Peterson, he, he wrote about a paradigm shift that a church must make to become a people where spiritual formation flourishes. You see, it's easy for a collection of people to become defined by programs and events and activities and, and somehow not, not be energized by real robust spiritual formation. And he said this, it is the imagination that must shift. The huge interior of our lives that determines the angle and scope of our calling. There's something interior that just throbs and beats and captures something. Um, and it's the imagination of following Jesus. Now, in reality, and now I'm going to shift. In reality, do you realize that we're all storytellers? Everyone in this room is a storyteller. You see, our lives tell the stories of the ways our generosity represents Jesus in trustworthy ways. And each of your lives tells stories. We all tell stories. That's what Paul modeled for us. We, we've been studying 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and what are those two chapters? They're the stories of churches in Macedonia and Jerusalem and, and how, how their generosity was being stirred and, and, and needed. It was the stories of people, the stories of churches. So when you and I begin to look through this storytelling lens, a, a, a process like approving a budget, which feels kind of stale. But when we look through a storytelling lens, a budget simply tells the story of some of the ways that we as a church purpose to live generously as a family and the ways we practice generosity. That's what it is. And so I'm going to share a few stories this week and next week. Um, imagination. Um, we've, been, we've been serving at, at Cleveland Elementary School around the block over here for many, many years. And for those of you who are new to Grace, we've got this long-standing relationship with Cleveland Elementary, and we've cleaned rooms, and we've painted walls, and we've delivered school supplies. And, and every year we host an event um, at Cleveland that provides weekend food for the families in need uh, for an entire school year. And, and sometimes people wonder, does that stuff really matter? <laughs> really? What's being accomplished by that? 
um, Melody Menson was up here earlier, and she met Heather in an event that Grace hosted with Cleveland Elementary. And Melody was there to hand out pizza. Um, just to hand out pizza to serve. And on this particular day, um, Melody was serving, but noticed that Heather was hanging around near her um, and even offered to help serve. And so Heather joined Melody and they broke down pizza boxes and, and when they were finished, Heather continued to linger. Um, so Melody asked her a few questions and they sat down on coolers and Melody listened to Heather's story. And that initial encounter turned into a sweet friendship and journey. At that time, Heather's only income was from babysitting her landlord's child in her mobile home. Um, her salary paid her rent and utilities, um, but left no other money. And without a driver's license or any form of transportation, Heather was stuck. Great need. And so Melody began connecting with Heather and connecting her to resources and providing rides, introduced her to other people from Grace Church, and, and these stories began to emerge. Uh, last Christmas, a Grace family uh, blessed Heather and her girls with a Christmas tree and all the trimmings and, and all the gifts for Christmas and others from Grace have hired Heather to clean their homes and provide rides. Uh, a group of men helped move a donated washer and dryer and other furniture and a retired teacher here at Grace helped Heather's older daughter fill out, fill out college applications. And one day last December, uh, Heather asked Melody to come by her home. And Melody, uh, Heather said there was something very important that she wanted to talk to Melody about. And she handed Melody a copy of our daily bread. You know that little devotional? Handed her a copy of the daily bread and was open to a reading that was entitled, Giving Out of Our Poverty. And she asked Melody to read about the woman who gave her small coin out of the temple. And the challenge at the end of the reading was how you can give out of your poverty. And so Heather shared that she had been saving clothes for her girls, uh, saving clothes that her girls had outgrown and some non-perishable food items. And she wanted to send those things to her friends on her island where she had come from the Caribbean and had so much less than her. And she asked if Melody would help make that happen. And with tears in her eyes, Melody agreed and they, they sent a barrel of items and it was a huge sacrifice, but the joy it brought to Heather was unbelievable. Uh, just recently, uh, Melody had the privilege of dropping Heather off for her first day at her new job. And Heather will be able to start working full-time here very soon. And, and the job is within walking distance of an apartment that she is on the waiting list for. And uh, a cool thing, a sign-up sheet was created here at Grace to help Heather uh, with rides until she was able to work uh, at her new job and all the spots were filled quickly by grace women willing to drive her around. Um, the Lord has given Heather many, many strangers. A, a part of the story I forgot to mention, at the very beginning, one of the things that Heather shared with, with Melody was that she had been praying for God to give her a stranger to help her. 
and God has filled her life with many strangers. Now, there are still obstacles and huge ongoing needs that remain in Heather's life and how she cares now for two daughters with a job and she's praying and trusting God that the story continues. But extravagant generosity is changing Heather's life. That's what it does. It's so unexpected and surprising that it transforms. You know, our ministry in our community here is called Engage Fayette. Very purposeful, we want to engage our community. And one of the greatest challenges we face is building and maintaining trust. There's that question again. What makes us trustworthy? That's the hardest obstacle for us. And every time an organization that we serve changes leaders, the process of gaining trust starts all over again because their people have their baggage towards the church. And it's a cycle. It just goes over and over again. And, and we keep discovering we gain trust by consistent compassion and generosity. I'll share two recent stories with you. Um, we've been serving for uh, over a decade a group that is now called Generations Together. Uh, Generations Together is largely uh, grandparents who are thrust into the role of providing for their grandchildren for a variety of reasons. Uh, their adult kids, severe health issues, or they're unemployed, or they're in jail. And these grandparents are now caring and raising grandchildren. It's a large community. It's not a faith-based group. This is not a Christian organization. But we've partnered with them because we see such a huge need in our community. Um, and, and we've served them with generosity for a dozen years, hosting meals and events and working on their homes. And well, last year, uh, the leadership of Generations Together approached their, the people of this group approached their leadership and, and they had a special ask. Their members asked their leaders if, if small groups could be arranged where they could gather and talk about their lives, they were lonely. They were feeling isolated coming out of COVID and, and they wanted to begin gathering together to tell their stories and, and support one another. And, and the leadership asked them, how do we do this? And they said, talk to Grace Church. And they did. And years of faithful generosity, often not seeing the results of that generosity, years of faithful generosity earned their trust. A few months ago, uh, we organized a group of the Grace family who now leads small groups with these folks as friends and listeners. And they gather and just listen to their stories and, and friendships are developing. And generosity opened the door to trusted friendships that are opening the door to spiritual conversations. See, generosity. Uh, just two weeks ago, uh, Grace hosted a gathering for what is called Drug Free Fayette. Uh, Drug Free Fayette is a gathering of medical professionals, the police departments and mayors. Uh, Fayette County DA was there, as was the Georgia, the state of Georgia district attorney. And they were discussing ways Fayette County can work to reduce a prescription misuse, um, the opioid crisis, and the drug and alcohol abuse, which is substantial in our county. And it was hosted by Factor. Factor is, is an organization that's the gathering of all social service groups in Fayette County. Every county in the state of Georgia has their own Factor. And 
uh, we've, in, we've hosted Factor here at Grace Church in monthly gatherings for, all, for almost 10 years. And in one ways, it's a very disappointing thing. We have tried and tried. We are the only church that ever participates in this. See, the church has been that removed from caring for our community. Well, this was a remarkable breakfast. I, I learned, boy, I learned a ton. And like I said, mayors were here and police, the, the police departments were here. Um, after the breakfast, one of the directors of Factor pulled me aside and thanked me uh, and, and, and asked me to thank Grace Church for the generosity to them over the years. And here's what he said. He, he commented that our impact in the community far exceeds the size of our church and that we have modeled to other churches how to love in tangible and generous ways. I sat in my car, and I was so profoundly grateful. It wasn't an issue of pride. It was an issue of gratitude. And once again, generosity has given us trusted presence and voice in our community. Now, here's another story. Um, let's go back to Cleveland. And I'll come back in a moment to some internal stories. Last fall, this, this, I love this story. I love all these stories. <laughs> Uh, last fall, we conducted that food drive in partnership with our neighbors, Flat Rock AME. And uh, we'll be doing it again this fall. It's become an annual tradition for us. And, and so when we, as we typically do, we call the, the principal to ask for permission for the, to conduct the worship service on site at Cleveland, as we've done in the years past, so we can bag all the food and gather all the food, and, and we have people walking around the halls praying for the school, the new principal, and remember this thing I told you earlier about the transition in leadership? The new principal was reluctant. Um, she wasn't sure what to think about giving a church so much access to her school. And the resistance was, 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 was tangible. Now here's where the cool part happened. The faculty and staff convinced her she could trust us they began telling her stories of previous food drives and the times that the Grace, fact, the Grace arrived on, we've been doing this for years, you're probably not even aware of this, that at the beginning of each semester, we serve the faculty and staff breakfast as a way of just appreciating them. Um, she heard those stories. Um, she heard about the Padres that we host here for the Spanish-speaking families, and, and, and so she agreed. And last fall, when we were meeting in the auditorium, um, she was not scheduled. We, we did not want to ask her to do anything, but she approached us and said, could I, could I say something? And for those of you who are with us, you may remember, she stood on the platform in tears, thanking us. And then privately, she said to me, I can't believe I almost missed this. Generosity broke through all the preconceived barriers. It broke through a lack of trust. <laughs> a number of years ago, Samantha Harris, our children's ministry lead, and one of her good friends, Naoko, they began GLOW with a vision to introduce the Japanese community here in Peachtree City. There's a substantial Japanese community here in Peachtree City. And they began this simple ministry uh, to introduce Japanese people to Jesus and the gospel. And currently, 
Nine women at Grace Church are working as one-on-one partners. Some have been meeting one-on-one for years, discipling and mentoring Japanese women. And Grace hosts a variety of, of GLOW events throughout the year. And here's just one story. So for five years, uh, a Japanese family of three who lived in Peachtree City, the wife and the mother, got connected to GLOW. And they began attending faithfully. And this lady, she knew nothing of the Bible or Jesus. She knew nothing. She'd come here from Japan with her husband uh, to work for one of the companies here, completely unaware of Jesus and the Bible. And yet she was intrigued. And, and she was looking for friends. And, and in the conversation, she learned about the love of God. And, and after three years, she became a Christian. Um, her husband, boy, to say he wasn't supportive, wow. He threatened to divorce her. He took her Bible away. But strangely, he stayed connected to GLOW through some of the family events that they did. And these light-hearted connections kept his heart just a tiny bit cracked uh, to, to what the Spirit wanted to do in his life. And... Over the next two years, the, the, the wife continued to grow in her faith. She attended Bible studies and one-on-one partners. She attended glow, Glows and Learns and Glow Kids and Japanese Bible studies. There's a Japanese house church she's a part of. And she was a part of, of a discipleship group for new believers that meet weekly. Many of you may not even know this is going on. Well, as it's so often with these families, the Japanese families are here for a couple of years and they're sent back. They relocate back to Japan. And when it was time for her to return to Japan, it, it, this, 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 this story is just going to, it is just so remarkable. <laughs> when it was time for her to go back to Japan, she left the U.S. with a strong faith. And Samantha and others now, were now praying for her growth and, and for her husband in particular. And obviously that she would grow in her faith back in Japan, which is, I don't recall the specifics, but maybe 1% Christian. Very few churches. And she was stepping back into that. Once in Japan, this, this, this lady told her husband that she was now a Christian and that she had been baptized. She told him that she wanted to raise her daughter as a Christian and that she was, wanted to find a church to go to in Japan. Over these years, her husband had observed such a dramatic change in her and her daughter that he agreed to her request. And here's what he said to her. Can I come with you? Maybe I will be baptized one day too. See, and as a family, they've joined a church. Joined a church and, and it gets even better. This family, including the husband, is now helping Glow here launch Glow Japan. And our long-term mission has always been to equip these believers to return to Japan to share the love of Jesus with their communities. And this family is now working alongside GLOW to minister to the needs of many other returnees and help them make connections with other churches. And we now have a link. The generosity of people who support GLOW is one-on-one partners. Uh, Those of you who support GLOW financially and in prayer is, is impacting the world. <laughs> so generously, read generously. Uh, Grace Kids, a couple more stories. 
um, I, I kind of shot out through all of our people. I'd, I'd like to hear some stories. Um, during a recent small group time among our fourth and fifth graders, um, they were discussing the importance of being a part of a church family. And in the course of, of, of their conversation, they talked about how as children, they go to the church they go to because their parents or family members bring them to that church. But the time was going to come when they became adults that they would be able to make a decision to be part of a church. And it was important to have a church home and a church family. And, and the children just began sharing that they love Grace Church. Um, they love the people at our church. They love that Grace is a place where they can learn and have fun. Uh, two children shared that their dream is to be missionaries when they grow up. One child shared that she wants to grow up and work on the Grace staff in one of our ministries. Um, these children feel loved and a part of the church that helps them choose Jesus and choose to be a part of a church wherever their lives take them. See, these special moments could not happen without the generosity of people like you who give your time and love to invest in the next generation and the greater family who give money to help keep our classrooms stocked with supplies and snacks and curriculums and, and, and prizes and, and creative efforts like Bible buddies and creating summer reading programs. By the way, this is the first time we've ever tried something. Children, students, adults will all be in the book of John together this summer. We want to impact our entire family. Uh, students, let me talk just briefly about our students. We have a group of 22 students and leaders going to Mexico this summer. Um, by the way, just a note, if you were with us at our staycation, if you remember, you could scan a code, a QR code, and it took you to a thing you could give. It completely went south on us. Um, there was a technical glitch with the company that we contract with to provide that. And so those of you who used and gave online, your giving didn't go through. So we're asking you to go back and check and, and see if your giving got through. If not, would you consider re-giving it? And for those of you who have not given, consider being generous with this group of students going to, going to Mexico this summer. It's expensive today. Flights are very expensive today, uh, getting them there. But here's another story. You may be aware of, of something going on in our county right now. Over the past number of weeks or months, actually, there have been a number of deaths at Stars Mill High School. Uh, one student was killed by a drunk driver who was walking home one night. And this young man had just come to Christ. He was a part of a church in our community, Southside. And the family was there. Ironically, the family, uh, the man, he, that family also attended Southside. And through the tragedy of that, the, the, the man who killed this young man took his own life. A couple of weeks ago, uh, another student committed suicide. And, and here's where you begin to see the ripples. The student was the granddaughter of one of the families who attend Generations Together here. And the links and the relational connections that are there. Thursday evening this past week, Andrew Hill and Sharon Townsend, who leads a prayer ministry here at Grace, gathered a group of our students and they gathered at Stars Mill uh, and, and hosted a prayer vigil. <laughs> Invited Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Young Life and other churches. 
great story. Just loving our community in generous ways uh, during a time of real tragedy. Uh, Friends, I could go on and on. These stories just scratch the surface of the ways that an extravagant generosity is lived lived out here at Grace. And these stories range from our financial support of missions all around the world um, to special financial gifts. Uh, We've so far to date given over $20,000 to the Ukraine and Moldova to support them and more will follow, to support refugees. A number of our family, church family, have gone to Ukraine and Paige and Beth, as you heard earlier, are there. Uh, So many of you, your generosity is displayed by serving behind the scenes, your greeters in the cafe and facility design team and setup or sound booth to all the ways that you are generous with your neighbors as well as generous with other grace families in times of crisis and need. The list of ways that you all are generous and in the ways you live it out here is long. And, and as Scott said so well earlier, I am deeply grateful and proud of you as a church family. I just smile. I hear stories and stories and stories, and I just, I just go, yeah, yeah of course, that's, that's grace. That's, that's the best of who we are. Um, and, and these are the stories that our budget makes possible. This is why we do it. This is why we give. This is why we invest. This is why we support. So let me, let me end with this thought. Extravagant generosity expresses who we are called to be as followers of Jesus. It's the evidence of, of our, our love and obedience to Jesus. Um, to put it just the bottom line, it's who we are. It's our identity It's our calling. It's not just something we do. It's who we are. Next week, we're going to take a look at the ways extravagant generosity are going to be shaping our future. And we're going to imagine the next four or five years. And as you've heard me talking about for months, we're becoming something new as we emerge from the realities and the ruins of the last couple of years in the pandemic. And, and we want to share with you some of what we're imagining. So let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for your goodness and your generosity to Grace Church. Uh, Thank you for the generosity of of, of our family that you inspire, that you imagine. And Father, we we give just out of glad hearts. And Father, during during a time when inflation is running and people are out of work, um, our family has continued to be generous. And so we thank you for that. And others thank you for that. People like Heather thank you for that. And so, Father, our our longing is to live true to our identity and our calling. It's, it's It's not about just giving more money. That's not the issue. The issue is being faithful to who we are and faithful to who we're called to be. And so, Father, 
as we, as we kind of leave this place, we leave with gratitude. We, we leave with a, a sense of hope and joy and pride. And hopefully we leave a little bit more inspired. That that little bit we give in our time or our lifestyle or whatever ways that we're being generous, that you are using it often in ways we, we cannot see. And yet we know that we choose not to embrace the smallness of scarcity. We step into the largeness of generosity. We're actually stepping into the largeness of your story. And so that is where our imagination comes alive. In Jesus' name.